So good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Uh, it's good to be with you and talk with you again. Uh, I know since your association with Vince uh, that I've come to know you, I've become very interested in uh, the things that you're doing around leadership uh, and leadership training, particularly in the area of uh, the, the resilient leadership, which is what we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, I know you uh, are specifically targeted at corporate professionals uh, and true. those people who just seem to be always really busy and how they can develop a certain quality of life. And uh, you're working in the area of leadership training and public speaking, project development, but also some nonprofit consulting. Uh, so talk with me a little bit um, about how you became associated with Vince. Yeah, so Vince and I actually went to the same undergrad. We both graduated from DePaul University. Um, different years, different years, but we had the opportunity to connect through, um, through LinkedIn about a year ago. Yeah, it's been about a year, about a year ago, and I was just reaching out to see, you know, I want to connect with other DePaul leaders, hear what they're doing, hear what they're about, and since uh, jumped on, jumped on that uh, post that I made. So we've had the chance to get to know each other a little bit more and become familiar with one another's work. And, and I, 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 I like to say that we've developed a nice little friendships. So, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, <laughs> I've enjoyed being part of that since I joined Vince about a month ago, and uh, enjoyed again how some of these things relate to a lot of the things that I've done. Uh, particularly when I was uh, uh, adjunct faculty at a uh, local community college. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, one of the things that I'm always asked is to define leadership. <laughs> and uh, I found that sometimes pretty difficult. Uh, but why don't you give us your definition of leadership in the sense of your, your direction, which is resilient leadership, and uh, why it's uh, important for us to understand that in today's discussion of leadership. Yeah, so I, I actually, I guess there's an organizational leadership, so I've got a lot of uh, leadership theory that I get to pull off of. Um, but, and, and I start that by saying, um, if, if you were to ask me to define, you'd have asked me to define leadership, it's a tool. To me, leadership is a tool um, that allows us to accomplish different goals depending on the context and on the setting. So we've heard of transformational leadership. We've heard of servant leadership. We've heard of um, uh, we know we know about dictatorships. We don't really care for those too much, do we? Um, but each of each of those leaderships is a, has its own style, has its own tools, has its own audience, and its own goals to um, be able to succeed in some particular area. I work specifically with resilient leadership, and so when we look at the definition of resilience, resilience is all about being able to navigate um, navigate challenges, navigate adversity, and actually come out on the other side of adversity much stronger than we were before we started. So when we talk about re resilient leadership, what we're saying is that resilient leaders are able to sustain their energy when they're under pressure. They are able to cope with disruptive changes and they're able to adapt to those changes. And then they're able to overcome difficulty without engaging in any kind of dysfunctional behavior or causing harm to other people. That is specifically resilient leadership and that's what I function in. So a lot of the things you talked about what I call situational leadership, um, you know, the ability uh, to, to um, know how to approach things and how to, to lead people. And I really like to use the word of being an inspiring influence. Uh, how can you inspire people and uh, influence them to, uh, to, to lead in a way that's um, responsive to people and to their needs? Uh, 
uh, one of the words that always comes up, and you mentioned servant leadership, and of course that I think was was talked about a great deal uh, for many years, and still is in a lot of circles. Uh, but the other the other term that I've heard, and I kind of agree with, is the importance of being persistent. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it occurs to me as I've thought about this uh, today that for our discussion today is uh, I don't know how much being persistent as a trait is relational to resilient leadership. Uh, so is there a, is there a, a, a connection here between resilient leadership and being a persistent person as well? Yeah. So res- resilience and persistence are two different things. And I think you're exactly right. That persistence would be just one quality of, um, of a resilient leader. Um, I like to operate with definitions. So if you look at the definition of persistence, you know, essentially it's all about being able to propel something forward. Um, Even though there are obstacles coming your way, you keep pushing at it, you keep pushing at it, you keep pushing at it. Somebody can be persistent and not have resilience. I can be someone that goes out there every single day and continues to sell my mission, continues to try to engage people, continues to try to make things happen, and do so in such a way that um, I burn out on my energy. Um, I'm not giving time uh, to my family. My I start getting sick, and I'm not really taking care of my physical health and well-being anymore. So I can be persistent, but that doesn't mean that I'm resilient. When we talk about being resilient, we talk about being able to be persistent in such a way that it's not compromising our overall well-being or the well-being of the people immediately around us that we're interacting with. So resilience um, really would position someone to use persistence, but to use it strategically so that they're leveraging their resources in ways that are most beneficial and not in a way that is detrimental to them or the people around them. I think that's a really interesting way to talk about those two and how they how they just kind of dovetail together. Uh, you know, I, I know in the years that I've been in business, I was in retail for over 50 years, um, that I've experienced burnout. Uh, you know, a period of time where I was I had two stores, uh, was in six or seven nonprofit organizations, uh, which I grew up to be part of. I was a part of my family's heritage. Uh, but there came a time where I had children in middle school and high school, and uh, it was just time to do something different. It was, mm-hmm. it was time to not be burned out. Yeah. Uh, you know, Vince, who's unable to be with us today, but uh, one of the things I see about um, he, what he's doing right now by uh, adding myself as an employee and a couple other new folks is that realization that, uh, you know, I'm maybe trying to do more than I should. And uh, so what what steps do you pursue when you all of a sudden realize I'm worn out and I'm don't have time to do the things that I need to do, nor that I want to do. Uh, talk a little bit about what you counsel those corporate executives, or frankly, it's probably maybe more prevalent in small business people <laughs> who are doing everything. Uh, but how do you counsel them? Yeah. So a couple of things. Again, I'm going to go back to definitions, give us a language to think about it a little bit differently, reframe it. So, um, when I talk about, um, so in my work, we talk about trauma-informed care and we talk about mental health. Another way that we might define or explain trauma-informed care would be by calling it toxic stress, right? And that feels a little bit more relatable. All of us have been exposed to toxic stress or we've just, you know, it, it's overwhelming. Um, and, and what we often say is when we've been exposed to toxic stress, we do experience burnout. But there's a real difference between burnout and being um, traumatized as a result of that toxic stress. So burnout is really about our cup being empty. 
burnout is about, um, you know, I, I need to get a little bit more sleep uh, tonight in order to be ready for the day tomorrow. Burnout is about getting a cup of coffee and taking a breath in the middle of the day. It's those little, um, you know, it's, it's treatable with those little acts of self-care and that we find that, you know, when we take a little break or maybe we go on vacation or we talk to a friend or we do a hobby. Afterwards, we feel re-energized and we're ready to dive back into the work. That is very different from being exposed to toxic stress in a way that is deeply distressing and disturbing and leads to trauma. And so what we'll find is um, if we're experiencing um, what we think is burnout, if we feel tired, if we feel aggravated, if we feel um, worn out, if we find we're snapping people quite a bit, if we find that we're showing up to work, but we're not really being productive, if we find that we're chronically getting headaches, all the cups of coffee and the you know little breaks in the world won't treat those items. Um, and that is because, again, it's going beyond our coping skills and it's affecting our, our overall mental health. So what I, um, what I encourage people to do is to really think about how we build up um, differences in lifestyle. So uh, there are, um, there are uh, indicators of overall resilience and mental well-being. And so we would go ahead and we would look at what those indicators are, whether it be things like, do you have you know, at least two people in your life that you can lean on for support and that you're comfortable asking for help do you um do you uh you know are you able to manage your finances in such a way that month to month you are not stressing about how you pay your bills um do you feel good about yourself when you wake up in the morning do you go to work wearing clothes that make you feel good um are you able to engage fully in your in your culture even while you're at work um, and what I mean by that, uh, an example of that, um, there was a, a, a doctor, a young woman um, who is uh, who's Muslim. And so she needed to take time in the middle of the day in order to pray. Um, and uh, she was using her lunch hour for that. And so because she was using her lunch hour, she wasn't getting to eat. Um, and so part of thinking about resilience was how um, how is she able to stay true to um, stay true to herself, right? Stay true to what's important to her and what she believes is life sustaining, um, while also still being able to take a lunch break like everybody else, right? So it's all about tapping into that knowledge of what is it that I need in order to be over um, healthy in each area of my life, and then build on those, um, build on those so that you're gradually eliminating, um, all of your, all of your risk factors. Um, one of the ways that I do that for myself, I'm actually doing that today. Um, and that people are beginning to leverage a little bit more as I'm working from home. Um, I don't want to go in the office. I hate traffic. It stresses me out. I don't feel like hearing the noise of other people around me. I don't feel like other people's personalities and moods affecting me today. And so <laughs> so I'm choosing to work from home. And actually, even though I have an office that I can go to daily, I've chosen to work from home. Um, this is the, the seventh day that I've chosen to work from home because I just want to be in a space where I have access to everything that makes me comfortable. Um, on a broader picture for that, um, part of why I'm able to do that is because I made the decision to go to work for myself. I needed to have more control over my work schedule, my day, and my time so that I could um, be able to make those kinds of healthy choices. So um, with corporate professionals, it's really tapping into, you know, what are your assets? What are your leadership strengths? What do you have available to you that allows you to have more autonomy in your life so that you can um build a, a lifestyle that is healthy and supports you and your goals and then allows you to be more effective with what you do. It seems to me that uh, that kind of discussion about uh, work balance, uh, being able to work from home, uh, I'm home now. Uh, of course, I I guess whatever retired means to me, that's what I am. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my wife works from home. 
And we have enjoyed the flexibility of that. Uh, I know she has. And uh, it's a whole other discussion about how the last two years have moved what we're talking about forward uh, in terms of the ability to work at home, develop that life balance. Now, does she enjoy going to the office some? Yes, she does. But she has a choice. And I think that's that's what some of that is. So we hear a lot about work-life balance. Uh, and I think it was driven some by the last two years. Uh, but in your work, it seems to me, I wonder, you know, I've been around leaders and I've been myself very driven. So what, what, do, what challenges do you encounter as you enter these, I guess it would be it, 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 these type A uh, executives <laughs> who just don't get it, that they grew up with, you work as much as you need to work, as long as you need to work. And frankly, in a sense, that drives the people that work for you to work that way too. So tell me a little bit about how challenging that is and what are the benefits to the corporation for that or the business when you do balance your life? And does that translate to the bottom line? You know, part of the part of the challenge is that we have normalized a lot of what I would say are signs and symptoms of being mentally unwell. And we've made um, by normalizing them, we've made them a part of our everyday culture. And we celebrate these things that can actually work against us and make us sick. Um, So, you know, I think about how we. uh, we love we love the superwoman, right? We love the woman who's a she's able to take care of her kids and she volunteers and she goes to work. And we just think that she's so strong and so amazing. Um, the person who shows up to work before everybody else and then is the last person to clock out. Wow, they're so dedicated. They're so devoted, right? We, we, we celebrate some of these things or they never take time off. They're always out here grinding, grinding, grinding. Um, and the reality is, is that that takes away from our protective factors. We need time to rest. We need time to ourselves. We need time to be able to, you know, cut off our work hat and, and focus on other things. Um, but we, what we do tend to celebrate some of these more toxic lifestyle choices. So it can be really, really difficult um, for corporate professionals to feel like they can take a step back and focus a little bit more on themselves. Um, and, and one of the biggest parts of that is just related to fear, because since we celebrate productivity and, and, and workaholism so much, perfectionism, being able to nail all those details, um, what can happen a lot of times is that we're afraid to actually behave differently. So um, maybe you would like to just clock in at nine and clock out at four, but you're afraid that if you do, that you'll be seen as lazy or you'll be seen as less motivated, less invested in the mission, right? Um, even though you're sick. You're showing up to work sick anyway because you don't want people to think you don't care about your job or you're worried that what will like clients do if I don't show up today? It'll, it'll throw things into a loop and, and they'll, they'll never be able to, to get on with um, if, if we're behind a day, right? We have all these fears around how others will perceive us, um, whether or not we will still be seen as valuable and have the opportunity to continue tributing. And that fear becomes the roadblock to us being able to take better care of um really be able to take care of ourselves. And, and what it also does is not only are we glorifying 
um, and sort of putting up on a pedestal some toxic behaviors, but we're also vilifying all of our protective factors, right? So staying home when you're sick, and maybe this is beginning to change because of the pandemic, but staying home when you're sick, um, taking time off, going on vacation with your family, right? Like these are things that help protect our mental wellness and our overall well-being. Um, being able to set a, a schedule for yourself based around when you're most productive, right? These are all things that can help um, promote our well-being, but a lot of times we can't get to them because we're we're sort of still in this culture of work, 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 and everything valuable is work, right? So I guess uh, part of the last part of that question is for me, uh, and we've got a good question here, we'll, we'll answer it in just a minute, but uh, is how does the corporation, how does the business benefit when someone is yeah. practicing work life from the top? Yeah. Uh, when they're leaving think- themselves in a way, how does that how does that benefit the corporation? And to be a business guy, does it benefit the bottom line? I guess it's just to be straight about it. Yeah, it does. And one of the biggest areas that we see is specifically in absenteeism and in what's called presenteeism. Um, So just really quick for anyone that doesn't know, presenteeism is essentially when you show up to work, but you're in no frame of mind to actually get anything done. You're typing, you're talking, but you're not really making a a difference. You might as well be home, right? Um, And and that's one of the biggest areas that corporations are seeing improvement. When we focus on our overall mental well-being and on our resilience, they're finding that there is less turnover, that there is higher morale. You have more motivated um, and energized employees who believe that they can really make a difference. And so they're putting forth their best effort and producing higher quality of work. But also because they are present and because they are being more productive, they're obviously able to do better at achieving some of those corporate goals. So you see that improvement in the bottom line, whereas, um, you know, certainly pre-pandemic and and, and probably still today, um, we're sort of burning people out beyond their capacity. And so they're not able to put forth their their best work. They um, are are thinking about, um, you know, leaving their jobs. So then you have that high turnover. Um, They're not showing up and and being able to properly communicate effectively with teams. And so that's leading to issues and and, and troubles within within the work office and within the structure. So yeah, it really really does lead to just being able to better accomplish what it is that you set out to accomplish because you are strategically maneuvering all of your resources and your strengths and assets in a way that work towards not only the, the health and the well-being of the organization, but the health and the well-being of the people who drive the organization. So I think the, the question is, is what careers uh, are there that tend to offer more flex, flexibility and work-life balance? Do you know, you see any particular careers that tend to offer that flexibility? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. Um, I, I think because of our culture, I think that's really difficult. And I don't know that there is a career that offers that. I think it really hones into the culture of the company and the organization. And do they prioritize their people having work-life balance? Um, any industry that you go into, you'll be able to talk to people who feel overwhelmed and stressed out. So it, it's certainly um, not industry specific. Um, for me, I have found that being my own boss better positions me to be able to have work-life balance. Um, I decide when I work, I decide when I get up, I decide my goals, I decide what success looks like for me. Um, So, you know, for if if I work for somebody else who says success is putting in 50 hours a week and grinding, 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 and I don't have the capacity to do that, then I won't be successful. But if I'm able to kind of work for myself and have control over my time and say, no, success looks like I put in 20 hours a week and I connect with these number of people and I'm able to make this kind of a difference. Um, I can set goals that are achievable for me and realistic and promote my well-being. So 
Yeah, that it, it said, really just depends. Yeah. <laughs> that said, uh, the first discussion we had when we had that discovery discussion or whatever you talk about, however you call that today, uh, you talked about you're looking for an accountant. And <laughs> you were looking for an accountant because you realized that that was taking a lot of your time. Absolutely. So this is a trait that I have seen in my consulting work uh, is that um, it's probably more beneficial and more profitable if you will find experts to help you in those areas that you don't understand so that you can free your time up not only to run your business, but to take and do the work-life balance that you're talking about. And I can assure you that having someone do your accounting and having a professional in this case is unquestionably beneficial to the business and beneficial to the person in terms of relieving stress. Uh, it's Absolutely. just something that's terribly important. And to recognize that I do that. And sometimes those things are hard to recognize. It's hard for people. My experience is it's hard for people to realize that that $100 a month or 300 or whatever it is has exponential benefits yeah. to the business as well as to you. So, as, as, as we get ready to close, um, uh, talk with me. You know, you always talk about, and we hear, at least I always heard talk about, it's lonely at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're the, court, you're the CEO, uh, you're the owner of the business. You think like you feel you have to be the first one in, the last one gone at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just feel like you're all alone. You get all the problems on your desk, you know, yeah. all of that. How how do you get out of that? Uh, how do you how, how can you um, deal with that? I guess it's cultural, but those things that maybe you grew up with and you saw in your own family. Um, yeah. How can you not be lonely at the top? Well, I think it's really important for people to know that even though they feel lonely, they are not alone. Um, you know, if I throw just a couple of stats at you, eighty three percent of workers are suffering from work-related stress. It's 80, I mean, that's a lot of people, right? Um, we know that um, about half of, of, of workers in the U.S. are going to struggle with their mental health at some time. So I think it's important for, for leaders to recognize that while they may feel very isolated and feel like they're going through the struggles of, um, of burnout, of um, you know, working through employee challenges, of navigating the pandemic, that you're you're not alone. It may feel lonely, but you're not alone. It's actually quite common. And when you are having those symptoms of um, depression, of feeling overwhelmed, of feeling burned out, of feeling like you don't have enough, feeling like no matter what you do, it just doesn't seem to be driving the results that you want, that those feelings are very, very typical and normal responses for what you are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. And the good thing about that is that if these are typical and normal responses, then we can also think about ways to begin to protect um, and, and transform those as well. So there are things that we can actually solve. And the best way for me um, to solve those issues, again, is to sort of take a, a step back and to look at what are some of those biggest stressors? What are some of the protective factors? When I say protective factors, I'm talking about the things that strengthen you, that give you more resilience. Um, what are some of the protective factors that you may be lacking in your space um, that you can add um, add back into your work so that you are no longer um, struggling with some of those day-to-day stressors? For me, accounting was one of them. I can spend X number of hours per week 
feeling like the worst business person in the world because I can't add two plus two, um, or I can reach out to someone who is phenomenal in that realm um, and and have them work on that piece. And not only does that that free up my um, not only does that free up my time to focus on the things that I am really good at, um, but it also means that I'm having better business excellence because I have somebody who's strong in that realm doing that. And in that way, by pooling in additional resources and building out your capacity to be able to do the work that you do, you find that your overall mental health really is improving and you're not struggling with those feelings of loneliness or isolation or falling short anymore. So um, uh, Coraline is a member of the Small Business Squad. I think Vince just posted a link uh, where you can join the Small Business Squad if you want to on Facebook. Um, CJ's information is in the podcast information, I believe, but uh, she can easily be reached on LinkedIn, which is where I've seen her the most. And uh, some of her posts have been quite insightful and I've thoroughly enjoyed them. Uh, as we as, as we close here, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to say about this subject? Or uh, in this case, I think some of the services that, that Vince is offering through these podcasts. Yeah, um, I, I think the biggest thing is in terms of the, the small business squad, what I love about it the most is that for business professionals, especially for business owners, it's really focusing on building knowledge, building capacity, building support. A lot of the different networking groups that I have been a part of is are really not about networking. They're about marketing. And they're very, I think I wrote about this, they're very sales driven. And so um, you don't really have the opportunity to make meaningful connections with people and build relationships. I like to say that our goal every day really should be about building relationships. That if we go through the whole day and we complete tasks and we haven't built a relationship, then we failed. But if we have built a relationship with someone by the end of the day and we haven't quite completed the task, we've still made progress. So I've appreciated the opportunity in that small business squad to be able to build more meaningful relationships, go deeper, get connected, and then find out how as a community we're able to come together to solve one another's problems and fill in one another's gaps. So um, I would say for, for, for corporate professionals and business professionals that are out there, look at those opportunities like the small business squad to be able to actually focus in on build or like building a relationship as opposed to just checking off a bunch of tasks that need to be completed or focusing in on things like sales and numbers. So how would people contact you if um, they were interested in learning more about resilient leadership? Yeah. Best way to contact me is through LinkedIn. Um, my, my full name, I've got it there on the screen there, Portland CJ Turrentine. You can search for me there and, and find me there. Um, I'm also accessible on Instagram and on Facebook. If you type in at CJ underscore Turrentine, you can reach me there. And then, of course, you can go to our website, resilientleadership.co, not com, co, and you will find our contact information there as well. Well, it's just been a pleasure, uh, and I look forward to continuing our discussions and uh, reading your posts and commenting on those. Uh, I couldn't agree more that in today's world, relationships are where it's really all at in the end. And I'll just close with a statement that you made in one of your posts that I know you I, you know I like, and that is, is uh, sales are the fruit of relationships. And uh, that's just a wonderful way to say uh, that, you know, you need to take care of your customers and they need to know who you are and you need to give them value. So, uh, I appreciate your time and uh, have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Glad to have you.